promise you that. If I had twirled and jumped, you would be carrying me off of this platform. I promise you that. But that was a great blessing, wasn't it? We're going back to Exodus. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I want to just say a few more words about it. But I surely appreciate all the great preaching we have heard here. It's just been tremendous. I'm serious. I don't think it could be improved on at all. But I've been reading. Let me read my text, I guess, supposedly first. I'm just going to read verse 12. Exodus 17 and verse 12. And it came to pass when Moses held up, excuse me, let me read both these verses. Uh, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And I'm preaching on stand by your man of God. Now there are illustrations I can use in the Bible for example, the Shumanite. And she built, Elisha had him built a, a chamber. I suppose that's where the prophet's chamber comes from, a good foundation for it anyhow. But if you remember, because she took care of the man of God, God performed two great miracles in her life. And this is God's way. It's not necessarily because a preacher deserves this, but it's God's way of doing things. Now, I've watched Brother Gravely for years. I've been coming to this meeting, maybe the first one you ever had. And uh, I was so blessed that he would invite me to come, but I've watched his life. And I knew Brother Berman Cape I met him when he was 55 years old, so that's been a long time ago. He came to Titusville, Florida to preach a revival. I'd never in my life seen any man preach like that. I thought, surely he's going to have a heart attack. I really did, and half our church did. But when Brother Kate got to the place he could not pastor anymore, he stepped down and Brother Gravely came. And I watched how Brother Gravely took care of that man. How he honored him and set him on the platform. And then when their son, Junior, who also had a great work in Georgia, when he got to where his health was failing and Brother Gravely would bring him up here and set him up here. And I watched that. And I believe one of the reasons today that God's blessings is upon Brother Rick, Ricky Gravely is because of the way he took care of God's servants. 
Now there's something to that. Now I know preachers can take that out of proportion. And uh, I'm gonna talk more than I'm gonna preach, but I just feel I need to say this. There was a preacher one time called me from another state and said, Brother Jones, I, I hear there's a church in your area without a pastor. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I'd like for you to put my name in the pot. And he said, I'll tell you right now, you know this Baptist curse word, God, you know what goes behind it. And so he'd say that. And he'd say, uh, uh, they don't know how to take care of a man of God. And I want you to put my name in the pot. I'm going to get somewhere where people know how to take care of a man of God. And I thought, sir, the last time I saw you, you were driving a Cadillac car. You had a pair of full quill ostrich boots and you had on a very nice suit. And if that's not taking care of the man of God, I don't know what is taking care of the man of God. Now let me tell you something else. Everyone who proposes to be a man of God is not one. I was preaching in Trenton, Georgia, and at the end of the service, the pastor had recognized this missionary. And when this missionary came up to me after the service, I said, sir, I'm sure glad to meet you and thank God for the work you're doing. And he said, well, Brother Jones, I know you. And he told me he'd been to our church, so we talked a little while. And uh, I said, our church was without a pastor. Do you know anybody? This was way back a few months ago. And he said, no. He said, but I know three churches right now. If you know anybody that wants a church, send them to me. I've got three churches right now. I'll put them in any one they want. So I told that story to Brother Wes Hutchins. We supported him the whole time he was in Jamaica. And now he is the Midwest director for Macedonia. And so I, I saw him at uh, Sister Earwood's funeral. And I told him that story. And he said, I got four. And he said, you know what? Every man comes to me saying, how much does it pay? Now, I'm not anything and I'm not professing to be anything. When I left Titusville, Florida and went to Herman Baptist Tabernacle, I had no idea what they were going to pay me. It didn't matter. It was God's will. And that was the most important thing in my life, to do what God wanted me to do. And I, I would like to say something else, and then I'm going to preach a little while. But let me say something else. The church is... There are several churches here. If you've got a pastor that God is blessed with a special gift, and there are pastors here whom God has, and he's opened doors for them to go and preach in other churches, let them go. Amen. Let them go. The church does not own the pastor. God owns the pastor. And ours, now I'm not talking about going around just sitting in meetings hoping somebody will 
invite you for a meeting. I'm talking about when God opens a door. Amen. Church, let them go. Let them go and preach. Amen. God has blessed them with that ability. And Brother Rick Gravely, I don't know how our Thanksgiving meeting would have gone had he not been there to crank it off. He started off every uh, Wednesday night, Thanksgiving Eve service. What a blessing he is. And God is using this man. He's blazing a trail just like Dr. Ouellette. I've known him for several years. I see his picture. I read the brochures where he's preaching. God has blessed him and, and using him. Some of you fellas the same way. I don't know all of you, but God is using you. Churches, let them go. Let them go. Amen. They're, they're not going to cost you anything. God is going to bless you. When we go before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, and I want to say this, the church I pastored 41 years was not a demanding church. They let me study all I wanted to study. They allowed me to go to meetings. I never abused that at all. And in heaven, if my traveling has any reward at all, our church will be rewarded as greatly as I will. Amen. So you're not losing anything. Amen. You're gaining all the time. So what we're looking at here is this matter of standing by your man of God. Now, Brother Barnes talked a great deal about this, and so let me just say a few words, and then we're going on. But if I talked yesterday, and I said, if he feeds you the word of God, if he cares for you and if he loves you, then you hold his hands up, you stand by his side, and God will bless you for doing so. This happens to be God's way. If you notice here what Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out. And this dawned on me as I was going over this passage Last night again, he told Joshua what to do and Joshua went out to the battlefield against Amalek, but he didn't tell Aaron and her what to do. He said, I'm going up on the mountain. These men who loved their man of God went with him and when, they stood, when he stood in need of having his hands held up, these men were there and available to do that. Thank God for churches who's got men who will hold their pastor's hands up. When God has blessed him and sent him out somewhere to a meeting to minister, and there are people who will carry on the work that are trustworthy, I'm telling you, I don't feel worthy to hold their coattail. There were men in our church and men in your churches the same way. Amen. They're there for you and to help you and to promote your ministry. And so I praise the Lord for every one of you. May God bless you and add to you in every way in your life. Now, if this man of God lives exemplary, if he lives as a man of God, amen, does his life exemplify that of a man of God? A man of God is gonna flee these things as Timothy was warned by the apostle Paul. And the context there was money and valuable things. Flee these things. And then he said, fight the good fight of faith. 
and follow after righteousness. Is the man of God, your man of God, who is separated? Is he from this world? It is still right, amen, for every person who names the name of Christ to come out from among the world, amen, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That's what the Bible says. But if anyone should do that, it ought to be the man of God. I told our church not long ago, and I, I may get into trouble right here, but I said, I don't want a pastor running up and down the sidewalk in a pair of shorts and tennis shoes. I don't know what in the world is going on in the day in which we live. Amen. Men who call themselves men of God run around with shorts on. Hey, listen, have they not read the Bible? Amen. When they built that altar, they couldn't even have a step to it. Amen. It had to be on level ground. God didn't want naked. Nakedness is still nakedness. Amen. And this hour and this day does not change that matter. Amen. God help us today. Amen. I, I, I just, I just can't, I, I can't see that for the life of me. Amen. I, I can't see that. Amen. Is he separated unto God? Does he try to win other people to Christ? That is a man of God who's trying to win somebody else to Christ. And so does your man do that? Is he mission-minded? Is he interested in the souls all around the world? Uh, is he true and honest in his business matters? Years ago, my brother was uh, wanting to buy a guitar. I live in Titusville, Florida then, pastor of the Way of Life Baptist Church. And so we went to Orlando and uh, we got over there and this fellow had a, a Gibson Dove and he wanted $500 for it. Now, that's been a long time ago. And my brother said, James, I can't afford that. He said, I'll tell you what. So I got a good suggestion. I said, what's that, Gary? He said, you sell me yours and you buy that. And so I had a Gibson, Gibson Jumbo. And so I said, all right. So we worked out a deal there in the store. And I told that man, I said, now, sir, I said, um, I don't have $500 on me. But I said, I'll write you a check. And I said, if you'll be kind enough to wait till Tuesday. I said, I'll go Monday and I'll put that money in my checking account and you can cash that check Tuesday. I promise you it will be there. And, they, he, and I said, sir, if it will help any, I'm a Baptist pastor. You know what that man told me? You know what that man said? You'd been better off not to have told me that. Now, isn't, isn't that a shame that we... Hey, let me tell you something. My dad was a businessman. I worked with him in a business for years. We built cabinets. We did meal work and sold building supplies. And there were preachers and deacons and pastors whose name was on the books that would not pay their bills. And dad finally got, got and he found out it cost him more to get an attorney to collect it than it was worth. And we sent them statement out, God help us. How in the world can anybody call themselves a man of God and not pay their bills? Amen. 
It was like Dr. V.R. Lakin said in 1974, I heard that giant preach, and here's what he said. Uh, he said, you ought to tithe. He was preaching on tithing. I mean, he was nailing it tight. And, and he, said, uh, he said, some people say, I can't afford to tithe. He said, he said uh, well, let me tell you what got you into trouble. He said, that's that dollar down, dollar a week. He said, he said the reason you can't tithe is because you won't honor God with what you've got. He said, I can't afford not to tithe. Amen. And that's exactly, I learned that long time. Can I just talk a minute, a little bit? I, I, I don't have any. Okay, um, years ago, my wife and I, we, uh, we were starting the church, and uh, so we'd surrendered our lives to the Lord, and, and so we'd go to church, and we'd write out checks for $2 and $5, I'm telling you now. And I worked and she worked at a, at a, grocery, at a dress shop until uh, our first child was born. And so, I mean, we, you know, if we had a good week, we'd write five. And so our preacher got up and preached on tithing. I'd never heard a message on tithing in my life. Here's what I heard about tithing growing up. If you don't tithe, you're a God robber. That's all. I didn't know anything about it. And so this man took the Bible and preached what tithing was. I went home and I told my wife, I said, we're going to start tithing. She said, when? I said, next Sunday. She said, you? I said, we can't. James, we can't. We owe too many bills. We can't. I said, we're going to. I said, the preacher preached and the Bible says we're going to do it and we're going to do it. And I'm telling you, we had bills on the cabinet then that we couldn't pay. She didn't get a raise and I didn't get a raise. And I'm telling you, the first thing you knew, we started tithing. And it never was a question to me of how you tithe. It comes off the top. Not off of what you get, but off of the top. And so we just started tithing, Brother Brown, off of the top. And it wasn't long until we had our bills paid. When a bill came in, we didn't have to lay it on the cabinet. We were able to pay it. She went down and opened us up a savings account and we started putting $5 a month or $5 a week in a savings account. Hey, let me tell you something. God can get more out of $90 than you can a hundred. I don't know how he does it. He's just able to do that. God is good. Amen. And I'll tell you one thing that gets us into trouble, we can't pay our bill, we don't honor God with the first fruits of our substance. We put him first. And so I'll tell you right now, that's terrible. That man. Now, let me, let me ask you something else. Can you trust him with heart matters? Is he a man of God? Not long ago, Dr. Ouellette, I was, at a, I was in a meeting and I always, I don't like this, but ladies said, can I talk to you a minute? Well, there's a whole lot of people around. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so she started talking, and she said, I'm gonna have to leave this church. And I said, why? I said, this is a good church. Your pastor seemed to be a true man of God. She said, I have given him my heart and heard it in sermon after sermon. What's wrong with us? Don't we have enough in here to preach? Don't we have enough in here to preach? 
Fellas, let me tell you something. This Bible doesn't need any sharpening. It doesn't need any strengthening. All this Bible needs is preached. It will do its work. It will do its work. That's all we've got to do. Amen. But can you trust him with the matters of your heart? Is he worldly? Does he spend time with God in prayer? Does he do that? Does he study? Does he, does he spend time in Bible reading? Does he bring you fresh bread from heaven? Does he? When you pastor a church for 40 years and after you can't get up every month and preach the same thing. You're going to have to get in here and dig and I promise you, you're not going to preach it all out. Amen. There's plenty in here for you and I. Does it give you fresh bread from heaven and meat from the word of God? Does he endeavor to abide in these things? Then by all means, listen to me, by all means, you stand by him and you hold his hands up and you encourage him. Now, let me assure you one thing. You're not going to find a man of God every, in every Baptist church and even in every independent Baptist church. You're not going to find a man of God who honors God with his own life, amen, and who tries to strengthen you and encourage you and exhort you on. Hey, fellas, listen, we got a rebuke. Yes, sir, we got to reprove, but that's not all of that charge. Amen. There is an exhortation in there. And listen, this kills most of us with all long suffering. A man went to a good friend of mine. He shouldn't have done it. And he said, Brother Jones is just too patient. And that man called me one day and he said, Brother Jones, you know, I found one mark against your life. I said, what is it, brother? I won't straighten it out. He said, no, you don't. <laughs> he said, you're too patient. Let me tell you something right now. If God has been so patient with me, and when I have failed him, just like they sang about last night. Amen. When I have come short and God didn't lay the chastening rod on me, amen, I know God understands. I'm not giving you an excuse to do wrong. God help us to do right in every area of our life, but we've got a long-suffering God. I'm telling you, if we did not have this morning, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I assure you of that. I wouldn't have the friends in the gospel ministry that I've got if God had not been long-suffering toward me. I said to my wife this morning, we wouldn't even have a home if God had not been long-suffering toward us. And who am I that I can't be long-suffering to someone who's going through a hard time in their life? Lord, help us. Help us be a man of God. Amen. If he's a hireling, and there are 
I gotta say something. If some of these men spend as much time trying to get their own life straight, they wouldn't have so much time to see if they couldn't dig up dirt on somebody. I'm just going to say a few words. You know. God help me. If I get tired and feathered, will you come to my rescue, preacher? I had a man call me and try to get me to call preachers that I know and he knew, and some of you are in here not to go to a certain place and preach. Call me. And said, they don't have no business going over there and preaching. You got influence with them, you call and tell them not to go. You know what I found out after that? That man was in sin, been in it for years. Everybody okay? Hey, I'm not the Holy Ghost. I knew this preacher, and uh, he was one of these kind of fellows you just have to stay in your color range, you know? And so this other, he had this evangelist come, and he asked this evangelist, he said, would you preach in a certain church and name that church? That evangelist looked at him and said, would Paul? <laughs> now, listen, I'm not talking about crossing lines and letting, letting down. I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you something. If the Holy Ghost puts it on your heart to preach somewhere, you better preach. I mean, if it was a Catholic, of course, he's not going to do that. Well, I might get to go once. I might get to go once. I know what I am from here all the way down and all the way through. Amen. I am an independent Baptist. Amen. And I'm going to stay that. And I'm not supporting anybody else but independent Baptists. That's exactly right. But I'm talking about when it comes to saying you can't preach for so-and-so because he... Hey, do you know, I know men who would not have a certain evangelist because he went to preach for somebody. Lord, have mercy. Why don't we grow up? That's childishness. We are God's men. We don't belong to anybody. God's men. Lord, help us. Now. If you... I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, if your man of God is trying to get more out of you than he's given you, if he doesn't live what he preaches, I never, I never, you ask, you, well, I don't have a church member here. Well, you can call them, I'll give you their number. I never asked 
our church to do one thing that I don't do. Never, not one time. Every special offering we ever took up, I started it. And I'm, I, I don't want you to look at me. I'm just telling you, and it's pathetic when you see and hear what you do from people. I believe if a man doesn't live what he preaches, we're under no obligation to stay with him. I'm sorry. I, that's just the way I feel about it. Amen. I would suggest you find a man of God that you can stand with and stand with him, hold his hands up and help him, and God's gonna bless you and reward you in the end for it. I assure you that. I'm not trying to cause disorder or dissension. I'm telling you I'm not, but serving Christ is a serious matter. We're all going before the Lord one day, and it, there's not gonna be any big eyes and little U's when we get there. And I'm confident, Dr. Green, that God's gonna call some of these old saints out of the, that's been in their prayer closet, lifting up their preacher's hands to the Lord, cannot get out and cannot go any longer and say, here, uh, uh, preacher, I've got a reward for you, but you, somebody else gonna share that reward with you. Come here, sister, amen. You were on your face praying for your man of God while he was preaching. You share in this reward. Hey, we're all going to heaven. We're in this thing together. My, my Bible teachers said when they, on Monday they would meet down at the ministerial association it was breakfast and they would talk. And he said, this one fellow said, how many did you have yesterday in Sunday school? He said, well, boy, we had 98. And that other fellow said, well, we beat you. We had 125. He said, you beat me. I thought we was on the same team. Lord, help us. I love preachers. I love every one of them. Amen. I may not agree with all of them, but but if God's hands on them, amen, I'm going I'm to support them in my prayers and in my presence. I'm nothing more than a messenger. Boy, never have been anything else. And you may have to travel a good distance to get under a man of God, but I'm telling you, I'd travel it. Amen. I, amen. I, I'm telling you what I would do if I lived so far away from a church that had a man of God and I couldn't come but one day a week on Sunday, I'd come Sunday morning, sleep in my car that afternoon and stay Sunday night and get something to feed my soul that I could go out and face this crooked and perverse generation and this wicked world and lift up my hands to the Lord and praise him and know that I've been to church and heard a man of God that I can support and pray for. Hey, I'm telling you, we're not getting any better in this thing. We seem to be, boy, I'm glad for Jude and Second Peter, amen, aren't you, and Second Timothy. It looks like we're losing this thing, but I assure you we're not losing, we're gaining ground all the time. Heaven is sounding sweeter and the coming of the Lord is getting nearer, amen. No Christian, well, I'm glad I got some notes, preacher. No Christian will ever mature for God's glory at the feet of a worldly, careless, compromising, egotistical, or a greedy man who refers to himself as a man of God. You, amen, you're never gonna grow and develop. 
I'm so tired of hearing all of these men boast and brag about all they do. Here's a man right here, you won't hear him boasting. Pastor the largest Baptist church in the state of Michigan gets up and preaches under the power of God. You don't hear him bragging and boasting about all the people that want him and how this one's invited him and how important he is and God help us, I wanna puke somewhere. Hey, I'm telling you, we're nothing, amen, but a firebrand perked out of the burning and we're nothing but a mess dug down of a pit and we ought to praise God and thank him that he'd even let us be in this thing. We ought to thank him. We ought to thank him. We ought to praise him. Well, I'm done. I'm giving out. Boy, I had that service. Man, I, I had it in control, but I didn't want to take all the glory, so I let somebody spare me. Dr. John McCormick said years ago, he said to hear some of these men talk, he said they're really, I think, expecting a vacancy in the Trinity. Because they're just about positive they're gonna be chosen. God help us. Amen. If I had what I deserved, amen. If I had what I deserved. Oh, God is so good to me and, and let me preach and let me meet men like you and call you my friend. I don't have what I deserve, amen. God's grace has flooded my soul and bless me and help me. I'm so glad I'm a Christian and saved by the grace of God. I love him and he loves me. Being, being a man of God it's not an easy thing. But as Brother Barnes was preaching, how they're needed. And I'm going to say this, and really I'm done. If my ministry is anything, if it has amounted to anything, it is due to those who supported me and prayed for me. I can't claim one thing. I love you preaching. I love 